Hi there! You are about to listen to a vintage episode of the Under the Microscope podcast. While the content is still as relevant and as interesting as when it was recorded, our webpage has changed. You can now find us at thesciencetalk.com slash real-scientist-nano. Welcome to the fourth episode of Meet the Curator. This series is brought to you by the Real Scientist Nano team. Our goal is to provide a platform where scientists can communicate their work and interact with the public. With that in mind, every week we introduce you to a scientist working in the field of materials and nanoscience, who would be curating the RealSci underscroll nano Twitter account. Stay tuned to know more about this week's curator. Today we have with us uh, Professor Michele Celibrano, who is an associate professor at the Politecnico di Milano, and uh, he's speaking to us from France today. Uh, hi, Michele. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. Hi, Panotti. Hi, everyone. And thank you very much for you know inviting me to this uh, conversation or let's say small dialogue or maybe monologue I don't know uh, <laughs> I'd be happy to anyway answer your questions okay wonderful let's begin uh, maybe we can start with uh, how how did you end up in your current research field yeah well uh, I more or less ended up uh, in this research field um, I ended up working on the same topic uh, as the one I started with during my master actually which was at the start, it was uh, my first research task was uh, uh, to couple ultra short laser pulses uh, to a scanning near field optical microscope. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, at the time, it was a really challenging task because you have to really confine light into a very tiny, tiny, tiny aperture, which is a very inside a scanning probe. It's, it's a, it, I don't want to go into the detail, but it's a very, very challenging thing to do, especially if you think about uh, super short pulses with a lot of energy. Uh, so they will tend to break everything. So you have to be very careful. It's a very, uh, let's say, um, complicated task and a very, very delicate one. Eventually, I became good enough in generating second harmonic in very tiny hotspot in Goldman antennas. And we, after struggling a lot, we got our first paper out. So this was more or less like one PhD for one paper, but uh, it was worth the try because it was very exciting time and a very motivating uh, period to me. So motivated that I decided to stay a little bit more and move to postdoc, not really with uh, near field microscopes. So I just left it on the side and I decided to work on simple microscopy like far field microscopy. So simple microscope, objective uh, mm-hmm. and light. Um, and I went to uh, ETH Zurich uh, trying to, as my mentor of the time would want to say, push the limits of confocal microscopy, uh, which is in simple words, trying to get the smallest signal, the detection of the smallest signal, signal possible uh, with an optical micro, optical device. Uh, since I received a call from Italy, as soon as everything was almost 
ended up in Zurich. Actually, my professor was moving to Erlangen in Germany and mm -hmm. I had to decide what to do. Uh, and then I received this call, which is a bit uncommon because it's easy to go away from Italy. Uh, mm -hmm. There is this brain escape, this issue in Italy all the time. People mm -hmm. are escaping, scientists are escaping, and going back is a bit more challenging. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, it's a little easier, but at, back at my times, it was really something unusual. And I was just like, uh, you know, they found me really, I found this really unexpected uh, and I accepted immediately the offer because it was something that it's uh, one of these uh, offer you cannot refuse, right? Mm -hmm. uh, first, I started to slowly assemble my new lab, uh, let's say, with respect to my passion that I've uh, cultivated in the past. Mm -hmm. So I left a little bit on the side molecules in favor mm -hmm. of uh, something which was more in the bloodline of uh, the group where I was working now. So surface science oriented group. So I moved to metals and semiconductors. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I'm, that, that's why, I mean, I'm talking about uh, what I've done in the past, because in the end of the day, I managed to work again with nonlinear optics and nanostructures. So mm -hmm. I ended up may, mainly doing what I've done in my master, but uh, without the bothering issue of the near field microscope. That's the thing, right? So I took all the good stuff and uh, removed a little bit of the pain. <laughs> so you filtered it in a way that uh, it is more fun and more encouraging for your students as well. Yeah, 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 certainly. <laughs> okay, uh, that sounds super interesting. and. Uh, where would you say your uh, current research falls in the domain of materials and nanoscience? So, well, I think the title that would summarize my field of research uh, uh, would be actually uh, to engineering plasmonics and uh, dielectric and nanostructural antenna uh, and metasurfaces for efficient linear light by light conversion at the nanoscale. Basically, that says it all. It's a lot of buzzwords and keywords, but in principle is using nanoantennas to confine light and convert light by using another beam of light. Uh, so in a way, uh, the first step towards some uh, optical logic element at the oh. nanoscale. Okay, so using nanoantennas to convert light using another light into what? So the point is that when you want to make two photons to talk to each other, right. it's it's not possible, right? I mean, unless you have a medium which is mediated. I mean, you mm -hmm. need somebody who's get these two photons to talk because otherwise they won't talk, right? right. Uh, so it's somehow, usually it's some big bulky crystal that you use to do this and you generate mm -hmm. harmonics, you generate uh, two photons out of one uh, sometimes. Mm -hmm. uh, this is called also entangled photons for quantum optics, for example. Right. And the point is that you need something, uh, a, a mediation system. And this mediation system could be any sort of material. In my case, I choose plasmonics uh, uh, for the efficiency and dielectrics because they do not have a, any particular losses. But I choose to make them at the nanoscale so that we can think about integrating everything to a very small uh, device, right? Uh-huh. Okay. Smaller the device, I think the more it will be in demand also for the industry then. It's like you do a lot of interesting experiments um, and do, working on a lot of interesting research projects. So which uh, research project would you like to mention that you are most proud of 
And could you explain it to us in very simple words in the section we call in other words? No buzzwords, please. So uh, I think if I have to bet on one of the topic I was written in volumes really to, uh, you know, fuse what I'm doing. So nonlinear uh, optics at the nanoscale and evolve it into a meta surface, uh, a meta device, which can, uh, you know, manipulate the photon. So in, you, you generate different photons. So you, in a way, use photons to tell other photons what to do. But you also have a substrate which is intelligent and can be changed so that, uh, you know, you don't have to change the photons to, to change the, uh, the, 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 the action, but you could also act externally based on your material, right? Mm -hmm. That's something that really, and you know, in, in, let's say in other words, you know, this, if you want, you know, the cool thing would be to design an ultra flat, so like, you know, literally flat, like a single surface uh, of material that allows photon to talk to each other and to tell them what to do and what to become and where to go in, mm -hmm. say, what would be a millionth of a billionth of a second, which is the femtosecond, which is the shortest time, at least, you know, uh, uh, feasible with simple laser system uh, to save, uh, to, to attain uh, transport uh, of information safe and fast, you know. In this way, mm -hmm. so okay. I I hope it's simple enough. Yeah, I I understood the last part really well. I think <laughs> no, but this sounds super interesting that you use light first of all to tell the photons where to go. That is one thing, and if that doesn't work, or even if it works, it's you have the plan B where you're using these meta surfaces yeah. to change the behavior yeah. of the photons, so, if I may call it so. Uh, change it. Uh, then we go to much the technical details, but in a way I don't want to go because then it's not simple words. <laughs> words. Uh, so let's say yeah, let's keep it this way. Yes. Yeah, yeah, let's keep it that way. All right, that sounds uh, that sounds super interesting. Um, so Michele, you do you teach? And if you do, what uh, what uh, which courses do you like to mention? Which are your favorite, or which are your students' favorite? You can pick. Actually. Yeah, I do teach. Uh, as since I'm uh, what you would call young professor, well, I hope I can consider myself still uh, rather young. Yes, you, are young. you are young. Usually, you 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 teach at the bachelor level. So I'm teaching at the first year of bachelor. Mm, it's a rather huge course uh, of physics. It's uh, it's mechanics, thermodynamics, and electromagnetism all together. Uh, I mean, these poor guys. I mean, uh, I'm also coming to the half of the course. When I come to half semester, I almost forgot about what I taught. At the <laughs> it's really huge load of stuff. Anyway, anyway, uh, I do really appreciate the possibility actually to 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 teach these basics uh, because uh, it allows you to, in a way, restudy every year the fundamental of physics, which is somehow when you go back to even metasurfaces, you need Maxwell equations. And, you know, you know, studying Maxwell equation is not like studying them when you're in engineering course. Uh, you didn't understand it very well there. You probably don't understand them very well even now, but you can start to understand a little bit better, right? So, you know, it's allowed to comprehend much better some basic concept, uh, uh, concept that we take for granted during, for example, our bachelor studies, you know, mm -hmm. uh, but they are absolutely not. Sometimes even question by the students uh, on the simplest concept you can think of, 
can make you start, you know, questioning yourself about even the Newton's law. You know, like they just uh, ask you a damn simple question, but it's very subtle concept. And if you try to explain them in very simple words, there's something that doesn't turns out to be correct because there is always a little approximation, right? Yeah. And now we start to get a bug of why this little approximation. Students usually are taking it for granted because they don't want to bother and study other stuff. But, right. you know, the teacher is nice to go into these little details, right? Mm -hmm. But anyway, I mean, uh, next year I will have the chance to have another course. It will be scanning probe techniques to a master course this time. So <laughs> finally my dream has come true. Uh, but they don't take away from me the other course, so I will have <laughs> more to teach. <laughs> Everything comes to a certain expenses. Maybe you can outsource it to your postdocs. Maybe they can brush up their knowledge and take their first year bachelor course. Yes, usually I, this is a good idea, actually. I'm not really an enslaver, usually, but you know, this is a good idea. It's not labor, it's saving you time and you're actually focusing on the master. So it, it's a win for everyone, yeah? It's a good point of view. All right. Uh, that is uh, great to hear that your dream has come true and you will be teaching the master course next uh, semester. Uh, now let's move a bit to the, your research experience away from the teaching and to the research experience. Um, if you had three wishes to improve your research experience, what would you ask for? And I'm not promising anything here, okay? What would you ask for? Three wishes. You know, one thing I didn't quite yet understood, uh, uh, you know, talking about science is why Europe, I mean, we are talking about, you know, wishes you cannot really satisfy, but it's anyway something I want to talk to put on. You know, Europe is granting this ERC, you know, for fundamental science. And, you know, everybody applying, the rate is very low. Right. But actually, the most important part of these applications are always impact and the disruptive nature of the project. And this is something that bothers me a lot, because in the end of the day, this is fundamental science. And if it's fundamental, I do not maybe expect to get granted like billions, but at least I would want, you know, that there is a funding for basic research that allows to get, you know, some incremental Sometimes behind the small incremental steps, there are some subtle findings that are really revolutionary, but you don't know them in, a, in advance, right? I mean, if you would know in advance what is coming out of something, and most of the things that have been used for the mission on Mars and mission on the moon came off of some you know, random research and they found, oh, we can use it for that, right? I mean, they never thought, oh, we do it for that. You know, that's the, the beautiful thing about science, that uh, something unexpected comes out, right? So first basic wish would be that basic research would be more funded without huge expectation, maybe, you know, less amount of money. Okay. Yeah. Then, you know, for second, I would say I would love uh, that there would be a less uh, less amount of super hype journals uh, in favor of some more, let's call it, we can give it a title, Journal of Reproducible Results. Mm -hmm. like uh, it's always something that comes up in the Twitter or something. People would want to have this possibility of just, you know, a guy from another side of the world has done the result Oh, he scooped me. Okay, just the experiment. 
No, no way. It's not that you scooped and then you stop. It's good to go on and see whether it turns out to be the same, right? Because we are publishing too much in these days and too many papers out there, I, I believe they are not well double-checked, actually. The referee doesn't have all the instrument to understand out of the paper that this result is re reliable or not. I mean, to the somehow... reproducibility. Yes. You have somehow to trust, and somehow this brings another issue. You have to trust, and usually you trust people which are already famous. And so people that are famous get more published because they have this uh, uh, entrustment for referees that when they see the results, they say, oh, this guy is really good, so it has to be true, right? Uh, when you're young and you have to enter a field, uh, it's much tougher, which is good in a way because then you have to work a lot. But in the end of the day, it would be nice if there is more journals that reproduce results and there are more, you know, reproducible things around. Mm -hmm. second. Coming to the third, I think I have to go with that. I mean, the, you know, there's always one of them which go with that, you know, like, uh, you know, my personal point of view on the gender. You know, uh, I think this is really a messy ground and I'm probably one of the most uh, politically incorrect person in the world. Uh, yeah, and, um, and I'm Italian, so, you know, it's also more messy ground. Uh, but, uh, however, I have to say that too many people nowadays are focusing on equality uh, so gender equality and erasing the difference between the gender. So treat me like a man or being treated like a man or don't think that you are a man and then you can do this. Uh, we, we have to or like uh, women are not good at that or all these things. So comparison in trying to, uh, to, to, to make the difference sounds bad so that in the end of the day, you have to find and to force people to think, oh, we have to make everything as equal as possible, right? At least, uh, which is on one hand, I mean, from the opportunity point of view, it's certainly true. But I think that this will become immediately available. I mean, not immediately, it will take time. <laughs> All the big revolution take time, but uh, it will take time. But it will come naturally, I would say, if people start to, you know, take diversity as a great asset, actually, not like a limitation. You know, if gender, race, uh, all these things do not come like a, a difference that uh, separates, but, uh, you know, some added value to life, you know, I need this indication. And just because uh, if I ask to a person which is very similar to me, uh, then I will have an answer which I already know, which I probably agree with and which is not the correct one because it doesn't give me the other point of view maybe, right? So the third wish is really that I wish that people would stop really fighting on the equality and they would really give real value to diversity. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, those, those I, these wishes are absolutely fair, I feel. And just to put the third one in a more uh, elaborate way, maybe a more diplomatic way or more translated in a different way. What you mean basically is to not treat inequality in a in a negative way, but put a positive spin on it and say that which which values will be added Absolutely. rather than pointing out what is missing. Put a positive spin on it and say that okay, if you have 
people from different parts of the world, from different cultures, of different race and different color and different gender, how much you will gain rather than pointing out what you're missing. Yes, yes. It's not like my life in the lab is miserable because I'm living with this person that might be another gender by chance. And since it's another gender, it has a different attitude towards something and then I'm miserable. I mean, different attitudes is fine. We can deal with different attitudes, different behavior, different character. But think about what maybe that person is taking to your lab. Maybe Mm -hmm. different background, different way of seeing things, uh, Mm -hmm. reacting on things. Uh, So that's the thing. Mm -hmm. Instead of saying how exclusive we are being, be more inclusive. Put a positive... uh, Coding yes. of it. I would call it not uh, equality, but inclusiveness, right? Inclusiveness. Mm-hmm. Inclusiveness, yeah. 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 Okay, those three wishes, I hope, uh, I wish I could grant all those wishes and make them come true, like I, a snap of fingers, but I can't. <laughs> I, know, I know, but you see, I was very nice and I didn't ask many money, right? <laughs> I was not the first one asking just... Uh, few money so it's what kind of a scientist are you you are the one who is saying it's okay if you give me less money as long as you don't expect a positive uh, not a not a positive uh, that's a strong word here but a solid plan uh so i i'm sure the i hope the erc is listening i hope the eu is listening and they will take it into consideration and i hope things will start moving in the right direction all right, those three wishes were really interesting and really important. Uh, let's talk a bit about um, the next three months. And now you mentioned that you are in uh, in a lab in France right now as a visiting professor. So what are you most looking forward to in the next three months other than going back to Milano? You know, these months here give me a lot of time also to think about the future because it's also good because when you are close to your lab and we are not many in my lab so I just have to supervise directly you don't have much time to sit down and think mm-hmm. uh, so I might probably start to write a little review that is then linked to a big proposal and the big proposal I, <laughs> I think you can bet on what it is <laughs> we just talked about some, some of them but you know um you know, I would love in the next coming months to have just, you know, time to stop. And here I, at least for one month, I can have it. I, I really dream to have it when I be back in Milan, but I'm not sure. To think and focus what's really next in my research field. And of course, you know, hopefully something more with respect to the thing that I already told you so far. Because, you know, then maybe, you know, I, I didn't spoil every everything about me, my research. And I have something more in my pocket, my drawer. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we can have another podcast in uh, three months and you will see. We will catch up with you. So what happened? Did everything go as planned? Uh, and where are your wishes? Do you Did you hear anything? Something can do that. Okay. So before we finish, um, I would like to ask you, uh, what do you think are the challenges or questions uh, that the field of nano and material science is facing at the moment, in your view? What do you think? Mm-hmm. What are the biggest questions which need yes, to be asked? Yes, so the, I mean, the biggest questions, of course, are related to what, in case of nano material science field, 
what can this bring up, right? So what's mm -hmm. the real impact of being able to manipulate, to see the nanoscale can take uh, to, right, which application? Um, you know, the, the subject is mainly the one I mentioned before in my field, at least in my restrict field, you know, take meta surface, meta material to the next step of application. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, related to the these surfaces, there is also the big uh, uh, challenge of see where 2D materials are going because mm -hmm. 2D materials are the most perfect uh, meta surface, of course, okay. uh, if you can deal with them, uh, mm -hmm. and they are the most promising applications. And people are already trying to see where the applications are. Um, you know, although for life science, most of the things happens in the volume. I think in the near future, for the nanomaterial science, uh, uh, everything is definitely two-dimensioned. And, you know, interface are awesome because uh, uh, they are an awesome playground uh, to, to, to get exciting new phenomena. And I think Flatland can be still the origin of many unpredicted and exotic uh, effects and phenomena, I guess. Uh, mm -hmm. Just to close, we have to just a little remark in the end that I want to add up is everybody is looking for application. What I'm witnessing re recently also is that uh, this looking for application, which is related to my point first wish uh, I told, told before, is this uh, you know impact disruptive. You know people are looking at application, and in many conferences has happened to me that people are showing applications or like tentative applications mm -hmm. uh, for about the basic science behind. So when you go to nanoscience and nanoscale phenomena, everything is tricky. And people at certain point, uh, seems that uh, once everything has been has somehow explained, uh, um, they stop bothering about, you know, what is happening at a single nanostructure level. They start to build up uh, many, many uh, metasurfaces, nanomaterials, do sensing, uh, all these kind of things. But then you see that there are some major problem with the with the basics behind. And mm -hmm. you see maybe this guy doesn't work, not because it doesn't really work, but because maybe you did something wrong and you didn't check carefully uh, the science behind. And somehow I feel that there are, you know, the variety that we are witnessing now comes with a price, right? And uh, not all of us are doing things uh, completely carefully and they forget sometimes about the basics. Mm -hmm. So that's why I like to focus on the single one and, you know, just small, small steps slowly moving towards meta surfaces because right. be careful. Uh, okay. Atoms and phonons and how they are moving and how to make them move. Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, Michele, it was lovely to speak with you. I hope you had fun. Uh, I learned a lot and um, thank you very much for talking to me. It was really nice. And I wish you good luck in uh, in France and uh, good luck with writing this proposal in the next three months that you want to write. <laughs> well, Pranati, thank you. Thank you very much for giving me this, uh, you know, space and actually to, you know, standing all this time listening to <laughs> this long, long answer to questions. And uh, I thank you so much. I'm looking really forward to 
I don't know what exactly I'm going to do, but I'm looking forward to being the creator of this uh, uh, nice uh, platform, actually. Okay, we are looking forward to having you. It's always nice to speak with you, Michele. <laughs> <laughs>